0: From FM, this is Analog episode number 38. Today's show is brought to you by some fine sponsors like lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts, Red Hat, different for the sake of better technology, and Wired In. Eliminate distractions, stay focused, get wired in. My name is Mike Curley, and I'm joined as always by the
1: beautiful Mr. Casey Liss. Oh, stop it, you.
0: These are these were the kinds of lines that I used uh, in my online dating days. I just called everyone beautiful.
1: <laughs> How'd that work out?
0: <laughs> Pretty well. I nabbed you, didn't I? Hey-oh. Um, oh, goodness. I say that because so much follow-up. Just so much. There is a chance that this entire episode could just be follow-up from last week's episode.
1: Yep. Um, let's do my favorite piece of follow-up first and then we can move on to the actually important follow-up. Is that reasonable?
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me.
1: All right, let's talk about why hashtag Mike was wrong.
0: I have failed absolutely everybody in my country.
1: Well, that's unfortunate.
0: Yes, it's a, it's a really big way to be wrong, and I have been horribly wrong. A um, few people said this to me, but Gemma pointed this out the best. This is about fish and chips. Elsewhere in England and in Scotland, fish and chips is definitely not just for tourists or just something you have at the seaside. People will go to a chip shop, a takeout fish and chip shop, also called a chippy, and get fish and chips for a regular meal, maybe for a bit of a treat, or if they don't have time to cook that night. In the Midlands and North, you might talk about having a chippy tea. Tea is what working class people, especially from those parts of England, call the evening meal. And in Scotland, people have a fish supper. In some places, a mobile fish and chip van. uh, does the rounds around some of the smaller towns and villages one night a week. I knew all of this. When I was a kid, we used to have fish and chips every Friday. I don't know why I omitted this from my brain and made such a sweeping generalization. I I cannot believe that this happened. But yes, (laughs) fish and chips is a thing that people frequently enjoy. Like, Fridays, in my old company, every Friday they serve fish and chips in the canteen. Like, I don't know why, for some reason, I thought that nobody ate fish and chips. I, I don't know why that happened, but I I did that, and I'm sorry to everybody.
1: I genuinely was a little sad when you told me that. I believed it. I mean, I don't know any better, but I was a little sad. Well, yeah, of course you would.
0: But, but yeah, I, I don't know why I did that. And uh, I apologize to everyone. I apologize to Gemma the most um, <laughs> because she had to write a great email, you know? Uh, to correct me, so she, you know, she did the work. A couple of people, people tweeted at me, but at first, when they tweeted at me, I was like, ah, whatever. And it, it really wasn't until Gemma's email where I was like,
1: what is wrong with my brain? So yeah. now all I, all I can think about is fish and chips. And even though I've already eaten dinner tonight, now I'm hungry again. So thanks for that.
0: No problem. I used <laughs> to get, I used to tend to get like a cheese and onion pasty or a sausage roll and chips from the chip shop. I um, uh. wasn't a big fish guy. Um, never I've never really liked fished that much, but especially when I was a kid. Um so I always got chips and something. Never
1: really went for the fish. Good deal. But yeah, I in, in summary, uh in, even though this is the year of Mike Was Right, in this one instance, arguably the most important instance, far more important uh. than the six plus, Mike was wrong.
0: Okay. I mean, if if this if we're really going with this, and that is the most Important thing I could have got wrong this year, then I can live with that.
1: Oh, well, there you go. I mean, I think that's a fair compromise. All right, let's do uh, some online dating fu. And and I feel like I should start the fu by genuinely, genuinely, genuinely thanking everyone for the unbelievably positive feedback. Um, I, I I didn't think the show would touch as many people as it did, and I don't mean that in in a disparaging way. I just I thought we did a good job, but I didn't think it was a a terribly remarkable show. But as it turns out, I was wrong. Hashtag Casey was wrong. Um, This show apparently has touched a uh, excuse me, the last episode has touched a tremendous amount of people. And so many people wrote in with so many nice things to say. and, And I was genuinely surprised by it. And so let me just start by putting a blanket statement out there that for everyone who tweeted at us, for everyone who wrote an email to us, um, I I know I speak for for Mike in saying that I, we both really appreciate it, and and I I think Mike, you kind of knew that the show was going to be so the last episode was going to be special, but but man, it it took me by surprise, and and I'm I'm so glad that Mike, you opened up, and that everyone else was kind enough to write in. So in general, thank you thank you to everyone, but we have a lot of follow up to go through.
0: And I to clarify, I knew it was special to me. I didn't think we were going to get as much follow up as we got. Um, or just people writing in and people tweeting. And this maybe could be the most, if not the second most follow-up that I've received for this show um, yeah, yeah. in the whole time that we've done it uh, by, by a country mile. you know, it, mm-hmm. it was a ton. And also because of the way that we record now, like we record later in the week, I expect to continue getting it for the next few days. Uh, and it's fantastic. And I've had tons of email, loads of tweets. like It's been just stupendous. So thank you to everyone but it's been really interesting for me over the last few days because of that stuff because i've had people contacting me obviously and sharing their experiences um i've had people i've actually had a few people casey tell me that they are, that the show has helped convince them to try online dating oh yeah which i think is amazing that is awesome like that that's like a, 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 an outcome i never would have imagined but i'm so happy that that there is even if there is one person who tries online dating and has a positive experience with it because of listening to last week's episode, I will be thrilled. Um and one of the really interesting things about about this is how people like are being really supportive of me and Adina's relationship. Like it feels like that there are people this week who have been like cheering us on, which is kind of <laughs> awesome in its own little interesting way. Um so yeah uh, the, the amount of, of even if like you know you just tweeted and said that you enjoyed the episode or you thought it was a really good one uh i really really appreciate it and and you know it's always good to see um people sharing the the episode with people you know like with their followers or whatever i love to mm-hmm. see that especially when it's this show because it's not like they had a really good talk about the apple watch it's like no they spoke about something that meant a lot to them and it means a lot to me and and that's that maybe more than ever show I, I really really appreciate it when people share this show with people because it it means that it touched them in a, in a in a certain way as well which is fantastic yep totally agree so um before i released the episode uh in my usual worry i actually had adina listen
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I
0: wanted to make sure that, that it was all okay because, again, this is something that is important to her. It's something which is part of her life and it's a story which involves her. So I wanted her to hear it before she put it out there and she actually gave me some follow-up. She contacted me first after I had looked at her profile. So I, with OkCupid and stuff, you look at profiles and then it pops up to say who has looked at your profile. So I looked at her profile, I thought she was very cute. But I was. I'm also. You know. I can still be a bit shy, and like it was that whole idea. I was like, I would do this. And I don't think I said this part to her, but like I would. You know, I looked at her profile, hoping that maybe she would look back, and if someone looks back, or they like can wink at you or something, or can do mm-hmm. something, they can give some form of like acknowledgement without sending a message. Then I, you know, I would have sent her a message then, but she just in her way because she's just she can be very like to the point with things in a, in a good way so she was just like i looked at her profile she sent me a message <laughs> like that's awesome that was how it worked so she contacted me first which uh i had i had forgotten I, I don't remember that being the case but i genuinely believe her because knowing her i know that she would do that
1: that that's awesome and good for her for for having the gumption to do that because regardless of whether you're a boy or a girl that that takes some confidence and and I, I don't think it's fair, but I think, at least in the States, there's still a stigma that that the woman should be more passive and less aggressive. And and I, I think that's kind of silly, And but that's still probably the case. So good for her for, for having the confidence to uh, go ahead and say something. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that, like, and we were having this conversation about this, and, and, and I agree. Like, with online dating especially, you kind of just have to throw that stuff out the window um, because you're like, so this is something that I really like that Adina said. She said to me, the way that she feels of online dating is everyone that is on an online dating website is looking for something. Yeah, right? that's a really good point. You don't know what they're looking for. So some people could be looking for not what you're looking for, but it's not like in a bar or something like that we can go out to someone, start talking to them for a bit and then find out they're in a relationship or that, or they're just there and. They they're single, but they're not interested in meeting anyone. Like everybody there is looking, and and that takes away a, a, a different thing to normal face to face interactions. So it may, maybe means that you should be a little more open, a little more open than you would normally be, and a little more forward than you would normally be. Maybe
1: sure. No, that that's a perfectly good point, and. And again, good for her for having the presence of mind to figure that out. And, 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 I mean, I don't know that I would have thought of it that way. And she's absolutely right. So that that's awesome. And and obviously it's worked out for the best. Be, I mean, you two, I mean, I get to see a little more of your point of view than, than the listeners do. And I can tell you that there is no doubt in my mind that you are madly in love with this girl. And so, I mean, it, none of this would have happened if she didn't say hi. And uh, that's really awesome.
0: Yeah, I think I remember her saying to me, uh, after our first date or whatever, that she was actually in the process of getting ready to leave OkCupid because oh, she really? was kind of fed up with it. So I I really just about got my window of opportunity there.
1: Wow, that's incredible. What a great story.
0: So talking about stories, s- some of the follow-up today is just long blocks of, te- long blocks of text that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, because some people have sent through really interesting stories that I want to share because I think that they're really great. Um, so i have have had many people contact uh, me and us about how uh, whilst they may not have tried online dating technology and distance help them in the beginnings of their relationship um, so this will this will help explain that so jacob wrote in and he said the following. A lot of what Mike said really resonated with me. I'm getting married in five months' time to a girl I met at work when I started there nearly four years ago. We worked in the same broader department at the same age, in an otherwise older workplace, so we could generally chat uh, uh, and got to know each other casually, though she only worked there part-time. Uh, When a few of us were away on work for a week, I had a reason to message this girl for something work-related, and because all of her workmates were away with me, we began to chat via iMessage. And we chatted a lot, frequently, and about the little things in our day. This progressed to deeper conversations, but the upshot is there hasn't been a day since that we haven't spoken via iMessage. Fast forward six months or so, and we began dating, and then two years later we got engaged. If it wasn't for that constant conversation at a distance, we never would have got to know each other as well as we did. I am quite introverted and I have never made such a good friend in such a short amount of time in my entire life as I did with her it still amazes me to this day even before we began officially dating we would have had many nights where we would sit and talk to the stupid hours a uh, stupidly early hours of the morning and I treasured those times the upshot is for me the best and strongest foundation for our relationship has been that deep friendship we forged over those first six months which happened only because of our ability to constantly communicate in that fashion in a very similar fashion to the the way that Mike did. Now, granted, we did meet in person first, but the vast majority of our interaction was through our phones. I'm a firm believer in a friendship as the foundation of a relationship, and I thoroughly enjoy listening to you both talk about your experiences. Thanks a lot for sharing. So, I've been thinking about this and, and the, the way that people have been talking um, about these things, and I actually, in a weird way, look at this as like online dating. So, they were not on an online dating site. However, they were performing some of the activities that you would perform on a date via the internet. Yeah, totally. So, like, basically, if you remove the way that me and Adina met, so we met via finding each other through a profile search, right? Jacob and his now wife, right? Yeah, they're married now. Um, They met via a connection at work, right? They maybe just knew each other through working in in the same place and around each other. Um, but then it was just like months of talking and, you know, and that was kind of how it was with me and Adina as well. Cause even after our first dates, we would still just talk and talk and talk a lot. Um, I remember when she went home for Christmas, um, and w- like we were, we were, we were an item by this point, but we weren't as serious, you know, like the, you get serious later and mm-hmm. we've maybe been seeing each other for about a month at this point. Um, And I was, I think, well, no, we were both fully committed to each other at this point in that regard Um, as like in a relationship. But it's still really early. Um, And she was traveling from uh, Bucharest to her hometown. It was an eight hour train journey. And we had been preparing in the week before uh, questions to ask each other. And I was talking to her for the entire eight hours and learned an incredible amount about her. Um, and I think that she did about me as well. And it was a really uh, strong bonding uh, part of our relationship because we basically spent an entire day's worth of time uh, asking questions that were superficial and deep. Like there was like a whole mix of questions, you know, some silly questions like what's your favorite color, that kind of stuff. Um but you know all the way into like how do you feel about x and what is your opinion about y and you know that kind of stuff like deep deep stuff and personal things and not so personal things and it was a really uh a really good um it was just a really good part of our relationship where you had a shared google document that we were putting these things what into nerds yep total nerds uh and then we were just asking them uh about we were then just like knocking them off, and, but we were talking about them over our message. I'm pretty sure we had a shared Google Doc. I wonder if I can find that. Not that I will like do anything with it, but I just wonder if it is there. Yep, there it is called Train Topics. Yeah, <laughs> that, so it's here.
1: That is the most ridiculous and yet adorable thing I've heard in a while. The last edit was made on December 27th, 2013, by Edina. Whatever you do, and I am not trying to be funny, you need to save a copy of that somewhere that you know you'll never lose it. Because, I, I don't know, I I like trinkets. Um, I like things that 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 in that make me remember how I felt at a certain point in my life. And uh, I was listening to Hello Internet before we were recording, and it makes me when I say these things, it makes me think of uh, of how CGP Cray does doesn't really believe in trinkets if memory serves, um, and he doesn't like clutter and things like that. And to me. I love those sorts of things. Like, I love looking at old IM. He
0: believes content. in digital trinkets and clutter. Okay. So they, physical.
1: There you go. No. And so, I and I go both ways. Like, I have some of Aaron and I's, Aaron and my um, original IM conversations from AOL Instant Messenger way back in 2005. Somewhere I have them, I'm almost certain. Um, and I also have, uh, I think I have the movie stub from our first date from 2005. And I like both of those things. I like having the physical tangible trinket that I can handle that I can hold, and I like having the record of the way we communicated back then. And you know how every, well, I don't know about every, but most couples establish their own vernacular about certain things and they'll they'll have little um like pet phrases or pet words or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I can't think of a great example off the top of my head, but some of the ones that Aaron and I still use to this day were established in like week three or something like that of us, of us being together. And, and in some cases, I think I have a record of the origin of these things. And that's just, for me, it's cool to look back on. So I, I love the fact that you have this record of you guys getting to know each other. And not to say you were planning on deleting it, but goodness gracious, you've definitely got to hold on to that.
0: So when I had to restore, I restored my phone at one point. I used one of those backup utilities and I extracted like the first X amount of time, maybe first year or something, maybe a bit less than that, maybe first six or seven months of messages into a backup, which yep. is in Backblaze.
1: Yep, uh, I've done the same thing.
0: Um, But it's also in, in this folder, because we have a shared folder, which has the train topics in. There is a Google spreadsheet of when we were like, learning things about each other and and things that we had either one tried or not tried we would keep like a record of like I would for example take Adina to a place that I liked or have her watch a TV show that I like and she had the same and we now have migrated that to Silo which was your recommendation Mm -hmm. which is a great shared to-do list app and whenever like I say I'm going to I would like to take her somewhere some one day she puts it into the list of my promises or and I do the other the other way around
1: That's awesome. No, that's very So we cool. have
0: these we have these little things and and it's funny that we still use that list um today you know we were using it a couple of days ago and it was established like a long time ago now like 18 months ago. Mhm. Now
1: mm-hmm. No, I love this. That's very cool. And uh, I love the story from what Jacob is that right? Mm-hmm. Um I love the story about how um he and his fiance are getting married in in 5 months and and I agree like even though Aaron and I didn't meet each other through online dating just like you said and just like Jacob said you know we spent a lot of time getting to know each other through AOL IM and a little bit through text messaging um text messaging was still a f- relatively young communication mechanism when when um when we first met that's how old we are <laughs> and And I I love that this is uh, you guys are perceiving this and I agree with you as being very, very similar to online dating. And I think you're right. And just like both of you have said, establishing a really solid emotional relationship is probably the best way to establish establish a great physical relationship. And and I couldn't agree more. So I am 100 percent behind all of this. Another thing I'm also um, I'm 100 percent behind is a dear friend of ours. Would you like to talk about that?
0: This week's episode of Analog is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform of over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash Analog. That's lyndacom slash analog. Lynda.com is for people that want to solve problems, for people that are curious to learn new things or who just want to build on some skills and make some new stuff happen. Maybe you've always wanted to master Excel. Maybe you've always wanted to build a website or even learn negotiation tactics to help you uh, out in the office place. Lynda.com can help you feed your curious mind. Talking about negotiation tactics, I remember I was looking for Lynda a few weeks ago, and I found some interesting stuff. I mean, they have things about how to give good presentations at work. They have things about management training and stuff like that. But they also have like body language skills, which is really interesting. And I found this when getting to a managerial level at work. This was before, um, this is years before I'd found Lynda.com. I had I went on a course where they went through this stuff, and I found it really interesting. But it cost my company quite a bit of money. To send me on these courses you know they, they call in these instructors and it costs hundreds and hundreds of pounds per person to do this kind of stuff but like that instructor was an expert and lynda.com's instructors are experts as well they're people that are really passionate about teaching and the good thing about a lynda.com course in this type of stuff is I went on that course once. I got that experience one time. With Lynda.com you can stream the videos whenever you want, wherever you want. You can go back and watch them multiple times. You can go back and just watch that one little bit, that one bite-sized piece that you missed out or you wanted to get a refresher on. You can read along with their transcripts and all that kind of stuff as well. That's what's so cool about your Lynda.com subscription. You will get access to all of these courses as often as you want to watch them. You can browse every single video, you can browse their transcripts, and you can try out new little things. You Maybe you want to try out this one course but actually you realize, oh, I'm not that interested in it after all. It hasn't cost you any more money because it's a flat rate fee with lynda.com. It's really awesome. You can download tutorials and watch them on the go if you get one of their premium subscriptions. You can access them on your iOS and Android apps as well to stream, with even with the regular subscription, so you can watch them wherever you want. You can make your own playlist so you can share with other people as well. Your Lynda.com membership is going to unlock a whole world of things for you, and you will get unlimited access to training on these hundreds of topics. For just that one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com/analogue. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com/analogue, and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much to Lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Linda. Indeed. Okie dokie. So, this has come from Richard, and Richard uh, wrote in about the stigma of online dating Richard says you're right Mike there is some stigma attached to online dating I was apprehensive at first when I told my family Um, it just felt like there was going to be lots of questions that I didn't want to answer like what's it like what's online dating like is she a stalker that kind of thing Um, Richard goes on to say in the end my family was really great about this the best part is we have been together for nearly 10 years so this was when online dating was weird uh, because 10 years ago it was uh, a lot rarer and we have been married for nearly 7 years now we have 3 beautiful boys with a girl due in May I'm definitely so glad that I had time to talk albeit via instant message first um, and then meet face to face it was like we already knew
1: each other and the boundaries were really low yeah here again very similar idea um and and I think we're going to hear a lot more of that that it's just having that mechanism by which you can establish a relationship not face to face in a lot of ways frees you and allows you to be the more honest version of you which is great and that, and that yeah. and that helps you fall in love both of you fall in love with the real person rather than the completely faked representation of that person I and mean, well that's a little bold but in my, for me anyway I feel like when I am talking on instant message to Aaron or anyone, really, I, I tend to be more forthcoming and more honest than perhaps I would be face to face because I'm looking at body language. I'm worrying about, I'm worrying more about what the other person is thinking and I'm getting more cues about what the other person is thinking and not having those cues in some ways makes everything a lot easier.
0: Um, So on that kind of thing as well, like, the the talking before meeting in person is good because like when you do meet in person there's still like the nerves are there and like you're still like trying to take in like the the person because you're there and in, in physical space with that person you can see them you can see their body language you can see their facial expressions you can see how they look you can feel if there's an attraction there because sometimes even after talking to them you meet in person the attraction might not be there mm-hmm. um, and. But you don't have to worry about the underlining what are we going to talk about because you know things to talk about. You already have shared common ground at this point. And that is just, it just removes one of the things that you don't have to worry about. Like going on blind dates and stuff. I never did that, but I can imagine that, that is way more stressful because you have to kind of do everything only one go.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree.
0: So talking about stigma, a friend of the show, Mr. Joe Steele, he wrote a little blog post um on his site And uh, I want to read a little excerpt from that. Um, First off, the stigma is very real, but it's mostly generational. People around my age, like Casey, might not have gone on any dating sites, but might be more accepting of it because they know people that have. People old enough to be the parents of grown up adults tend to have mostly negative views. Even younger people are seemingly the most accepting. It is the kind of pattern you see with all internet services. It doesn't help that most people think finding someone to date online means instantly hooking up with randos for flings, which I, quite like <laughs> uh, I don't generally share the story of how I met my boyfriend, but it was almost six years ago. We met on Match, not an endorsement for Match, he says, uh, and I said that we should get coffee. July 2nd, we met for the first time uh, for coffee in Venice. I assume he means Venice Beach and not Italy. Uh, we met... <laughs> and talked and decided to go on more dates. There is nothing weird or creepy about it. Online dating is crucial for many people that don't have much social interaction in their busy lives. It can also be essential if you're a guy that is looking for that is not looking for a girlfriend. Online profiles tend to clear up a lot of ambiguity.
1: Yeah. At, uh, anytime Joe writes a post about this show, it tends to be something worth talking about.
0: The one thing two things that I want to bring up about that. One uh, one is the busy lives thing, and I'll come back to that because I don't want to forget this. This second point is about same sex uh, relationships. I imagine it is quite difficult to to know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you, because it's already hard enough to approach someone, right? For me to approach a girl and you know maybe see if they're interested in me, but I don't think about sexual orientation when doing that kind of thing like i never it never crossed my mind having to have that as another hurdle is just so much more. absolutely absolutely and, and and that just seems like a really difficult thing to have to deal with and and i can see how like in that scenario having online dating services where you can just somebody will put their sexual orientation on their profile page or you can just exclude everyone who's straight like that is useful
1: yeah I, that I,
0: takes a lot of that out a lot of the work's taken care of
1: i can't say i speak from experience but i absolutely agree that that's got to be really awesome and gosh i can't imagine i can't imagine going up to a person of the same gender and uh, attempting to make to to make a move and being shot down because that person doesn't doesn't share the same in, the same uh, sexual preference as you do and man i mean it's it's god it's hard enough being turned down by a girl when by, by a woman when there's a implied expectation that both of you are heterosexual which is perhaps unfortunate but it's still an implied expectation gosh i can't i can't imagine what it would be like to go up to another guy uh, and assume that that guy would maybe be interested in me and then find out that that's wrong especially since of all people heterosexual males don't tend to take well to that kind of advance god that oh just thinking about that that does not sound fun and so i think joe makes an excellent point and and i'm really glad he made that point
0: um so on that though again joe's telling us that we don't need to do this but i do want to to have this conversation which is why i brought it up like being rejected is embarrassing enough yep um having someone react in a potentially like uh and, and, you know this is hard to say i think but i can imagine that some people would act in a oh what no kind of way ew gross uh, get away from me yeah which and is that stupid. that must make you kind of just want to hide away forever yep um and and yeah i can't i can't even imagine that 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 feels like a really Difficult thing to have to deal with. So, again, anything that can make this kind of stuff easier for people, I am all for, which is just another reason why I think it's, you know, it's just a good thing uh, to do. Um, so, the other thing that I wanted to mention was Busy Lives. So, there, there are some services that I see in the UK now. Um, I think one of them is called Love Struck, which are created around professionals so they are online dating services for people in professional jobs because and their whole idea is who has the time and their whole thing is about like meeting up for for lunch during work hours and stuff like that is a big focus for them and it makes so much sense yep i completely agree we are so busy, and like in where I used to work in a financial district, the people that work all hours of the day, like, and then if in theory you get a, a allocated lunch hour, and you in those pay places, there are thousands of people that work, so you just search within your working area, and you meet with people for lunch, um, for coffee or whatever. It's it's a very smart way of doing things.
1: Yeah, yeah, And I've heard of similar things in the United States, typically in big cities, and the other nice thing is. I feel like a daytime meeting, maybe this is just me, but I feel like a daytime meeting has less baggage behind it because it's not like you're going, there's any real expectation that you're going to leave lunch and go to somebody's house. You know what I mean? Like, you're both going to go back to work. And, you know, the same thing is if if you were to meet for coffee at two in the afternoon or something like that, it's probably not going to end up that you're both going to spend the rest of the night together. It's not a bad thing if you do, but it's not an expectation. Whereas with dinner, maybe it's not an expectation, but you never really know. And you need to kind of potentially prepare for that. And And so I think that's a really clever idea for sure.
0: There was one piece of follow-up that I moved. Uh, it was because I was going to put it in as a joke at the end, but I really want it to be here now. Okay. It was also from Gemma who gave the fish and chips follow-up. Uh, And she tweeted this. God bless mildly uncomfortable, Casey Liss. (laughs) Hi. And, uh, yeah, the reason I moved this up is because Joe Steele in the chat room says, like, you guys don't need to do this. Like, I can hear Casey kind of straining himself. Said Joe.
1: Said Joe.
0: Yeah. And so this this is an interesting thing to me. Now, I didn't feel that you were uncomfortable then or last week, but you... Are you tread carefully maybe so carefully that you fall over yourself sometimes?
1: <laughs> I've never done that before. What are you talking about?
0: And I don't I don't mean to be mean. No, 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 not but at all. This is because that you have the nature similar to me um in that you don't want to upset anyone.
1: Yep. I mean that's basically exactly what I was going to say is that um last week I I wouldn't say I I would agree with you. I wouldn't say that I was uncomfortable but I really didn't want to make some sort of statement that would imply that online dating is bad. And like you, we left it in the show and I'm glad you told, told me to leave it in the show. When I, I said, I forget what I said, but something about how, you know, uh, well, I, I, something about how online dating is less good than meeting, you know, through a friend. Or I implied it. And then I started to backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. And you said, no, 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 just let it go because that's important. And I'm glad you said that. Um, today, especially when talking about things like what Joe has, I'm going to say gone through, but here again, like I'm backpedaling a little because I don't want to imply that it's bad or worse. It's just different. Um, I don't know what it's like to be a, a gay man trying to find someone to, to, to have a relationship with. And I'm so deeply concerned that, by saying something that I don't mean harm by, I'm going to give harm. And I know, it's one of those things where I know enough to know that I'm ignorant, but I don't know enough to handle it appropriately necessarily. And especially in the case of Joe, you know, I consider him a pretty good friend of mine now. I mean, and 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 I don't, I certainly don't want to offend anyone, but I particularly don't want to offend somebody that I give a crap about. And and so because of that, I'm uncomfortable in in the sense that I really don't want to do wrong by anyone and I don't want to do wrong by someone whose situation I don't truly understand. I don't truly understand what it's like for you, Mike to meet Adina through online dating. I don't truly understand what it's like to be uh, anything but a heterosexual guy. And so I, I don't want to implicitly or explicitly belittle anyone because of either choices they've made like online dating or the way they are like not being heterosexual. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I apologize for being a little uncomfortable, but no. it's from a place of it's from a good place, I think.
0: I don't want an apology. <laughs> I don't. Cuz it's not why I bring it up. Like I bring it up cuz it it was kind of funny, but it is interesting as well. Mhm. Cuz you know, it, it it is a a thing which is in your uh it's just in your makeup is like it's who you are like you are a person that cares and it's nice because you care and that's why these things come up like this you know Mm -hmm. i I, I like that i like that a lot thanks man still more follow-up so i'm gonna take another break is that okay yeah please this week's episode of analog is also brought to you by wired in sometimes when you're neck deep in something you want to be able to just tell people that you're super busy Many people throw headphones on to show this, like if you're in a working environment or something, like maybe you're in an open office, uh, but you don't need to do this anymore. Wired in is a Bluetooth-connected sign that you can switch on to tell co-workers and your family or anyone that's around you that you need to focus and shouldn't be interrupted. They've just launched their Kickstarter campaign, so now is the perfect time to jump on board. The single coolest feature about this Bluetooth-connected sign is the custom acrylic. The fact that it is connected by Bluetooth is, of course, awesome. The fact that you're able to change the color of the sign is awesome, too. But because it can be personalized, the best way to add personality to the sign is to add a message that is personal to you. Maybe you want it to say go away or tread lightly or maybe even F off, which I think they put that in for me, <laughs> uh, which I quite like. Um When you are developing or writing, uh, concentration is too easily broken. And getting back into the swing of it after you're interrupted can be really difficult. So you should get a wired in sign. Sometimes closed doors aren't enough. Podcasters and video recorders can't have someone opening the door, bursting in and making noise or being noisy outside of a room. So get an on-air sign. What Wired In can do for you. Wired In is powerful in team situations, so they're offering tiers on their Kickstarter campaign where teams can buy 5, 10, or even 20 signs to give to people in their office or to put around the office. And of course, they'll throw in some cool swag like t shirts as well with those tiers. Wired In signs work with the Apple Watch, iPhone, and the Mac to start, allowing you to control them however you want, whenever you want. And they will also have stretch goals for Android and Windows as well. The signs will also connect to a web service, so you can connect them to services like. Like IFT and integrate them with Slack or HipChat so you can imagine the workflow possibilities. Go check out their Kickstarter campaign right now and it has a really great video on their page as well which will help you learn even more. Go to wearewired.in slash analog, spelled A-N-A-L-O-G-U-E, the correct full way. Mm. Thank you so much to Wired In for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. They're sending me one, and I cannot wait. It's going to say on air on it, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to put it outside my room, and nobody's ever going to bother me again.
1: (laughs) No, it is a really clever idea. And, you know, I kid you not. I I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, F off, I'm busy. But, man, especially at work, a lot of times people will walk up and ask the dumbest questions. And I love my coworkers, but it's like, guys, can't you see me furiously mashing on the keyboard right now? Now is not the time for you to be coming up and asking me. Oh, how was your weekend? And having something like this, I, I think it could be really awesome. And one is heading my way as well, and I am also really excited for it. So uh, maybe we'll do a little follow up and uh, talk about how well it works. But um, yeah, we should okay. we should def we should definitely. Um, check out that Kickstarter page. It is, uh, and, and check out their website because I am really excited for this.
0: Okay, so this is an uh, another interesting piece of follow up. I really enjoyed this from Alan. Uh, speaking of online dating, back in the day, probably in the nineteen ninety eight two thousand and one range, I went as far as to build my own online dating site. <laughs> It's called Peer-to-Peer to Peer-, to Peer Personals Online Dating for Geeks, and it was once located at Peer-to-PeerPersonals.net. And Alan created this, created this himself to find dates. That's awesome. It, it was cloaked in the altruism of creating a dating site for my own fellow geeks, but it was also there to help the introverted and shy me find my own geeky girl. It didn't work, of course. I don't know why they said, of course. and uh, Alan... Uh, Believe in yourself, buddy. It didn't work, of course. <laughs> uh, I think I had one date from it, but the site did produce at least two marriages that I know of.
1: That's so amazing. I know. Like, how cool is that? That is extremely. Like, I would love one day to be able to introduce two people and have them end up married, like our friend Ben did for us, for Aaron and I. Uh, that's just God. That's so awesome. And to uh, to create a whole website that two two couples kind of blame in the good way for having introduced themselves to each other god that's awesome
0: i think it's like a a duty of people that meet online if they get married to report back to the website i think that that's like something that you should just do because they should know i think (laughs) i think it's important to tell the company i I genuinely mean that as well i think you should just tell them um, because it's probably quite important for them to know that that is something that's happening, because it's like, yeah. okay, that's a good one, we can match that
1: one up. Yeah. Are you going to maybe report into uh, OkCupid one day, Mike?
0: I would do. Um, my account doesn't exist anymore, so it might be difficult for them for, from a statistics perspective, but I can still tell them. And I would tell them. Uh, I hope I do get
1: to tell them. There we go. That, that That's a little more what I was looking for.
0: Yeah, I figured. Um... <laughs> Joe Lebo, who is a listener of this show and also of The Pen Addict, and I had the pleasure of spending some time with Joe in Atlanta, which is why I wanted to pick this question out because it's related. Um, Do you feel closer to people that you've known online when you meet them in person? So I thought that this question kind of obviously relates into the online dating thing, but also like just online interactions and connections, because that's kind of part of what this is, I think. And, I mean, we've definitely spoken about this before um, and I had this when I got to hang out with Brad in Atlanta. yeah, I do like I feel when i'm when I meet um people in person that I know online, it helps bridge another gap um but I think that it's it helps like so when you when you meet them in person, like I feel closer to them, I feel closer afterwards because we've met in person, and when we meet for the first time, I feel really close to them like that. The like emotional cash or cachet that has built up over time transfers. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to think of a good example where that's happened with me, but certainly some of our friends. Or like, let's look at it another way. Maybe like when you and I met at WWDC, I don't think either of us really knew the other particularly well. But as we've talked about on the show, we hit it off really well, and. Most of our friendship since that initial introduction happened via Twitter and iMessage and things of that nature. And so the next time we saw each other at the next WWDC, it was a completely different experience. And it was like seeing one of my best friends that I've known for, you know, 20 years. Uh, And that's all through the span of one year of talking incessantly over Twitter and iMessage, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that, that's what Atlanta was like for me a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'll probably talk about this next week a bit more, because I, I have a whole other topic that I want to talk about in regards to the pen show that I went to. But there was this thing that there was a bunch of people that I know from that community, which is this whole other community that I'm a part of, um, and... Seeing all these people just arrive over the space of like 24 hours was amazing. And it was like you see them, it was like, ah, I just like grabbed them and hug them because you know them, you talk to them so much. Right, right. And like finally you get to meet them. And it's this great feeling, um, which in the tech community, I don't have as much anymore because I have already met most of the people that I now am friends with. But, like, this is, like, a big community, like, of people. There were, like, 25, 30 people that were there that I, like, talked to all the time and was so excited to see, you know? Um, and that's, like, friends and, like, people that I've met who were listeners who became friends and that kind of thing. And it was that was really great because I haven't had that in a while, right? Because the first maybe WWC and the first all or whatever is where I made those relationships. And now I see, sim- like, the same people and similar people quite every year now at these things but at the pen show I got to do that all over again and that was really great
1: yeah that's awesome and what a fun what a fun experience that is you know especially in the case of people that you haven't met in person and and you feel like you're close with and then you finally get to meet them in person it's god it's the best it's so much fun
0: so I have one last piece of follow up All right, Um which is from Connor and Connor said this is quite a simple statement that I like there's no reason to be embarrassed or apprehensive um, about online dating. You have Adina, so whatever means necessary to find that love is, like, acceptable. That's the way it should be. Ding. Like, I, I love that kind of thing. Like, don't be embarrassed of it. You found the person that means a lot to you, so that, you know, that's that. Like, be happy about it.
1: Yep. Uh, I I absolutely agree. I think that's a really good point. And however it is you guys chose to get there, irrelevant. The point is that you are there, you are with each other, and that's all that really matters.
0: Now, I don't want to get into a big topic now because um, I have a few fun relay your feels that I want to get to. Okay. Um, but relay your feels is brought to you by a sponsor this week.
1: Ooh, it's like upgrade.
0: I like. See, I like that. I like. I've decided that I like having it at the end and having it sponsored. Like that's what I like. That part. I think it's good. I think that it is better for the flow of upgrade. So I now want to bring that thinking to analog as well. I think the show flows a lot better by having those questions at the end.
1: So this is the sponsored listener feedback vertical. Yeah, excellent. I'm in. We're
0: I'm gonna go with that. And uh, I was gonna call it Ask Analog. I get that wrong all the time. Relay. <laughs> I, I still prefer. I would prefer Ask Analog, but we would need multiple hashtags. It wouldn't work. Yep. Uh, so Relay Your Feels this week is brought to you by Red Hat. What does it mean when every commercial bank in the Fortune 500 relies on Red Hat for enterprise software, or every department in the executive branch of the US government, or every airline in the Fortune Global 500? It means that more than 90% of all of the companies in the Fortune 500 understand the value of supported enterprise open source software and what that can bring to their businesses. If the value of open source is the rapid innovation, freedom, and interoperability that comes with community-powered technology, then the value of Red Hat is taking responsibility for that technology, testing it, enhancing security, and certifying that it will work in your data center. So what is Red Hat doing that is making such a big difference? Well, it's simple. Simple but not easy. They make sure you can get all of the benefits of open source without the risk of doing it all yourself. No one else can make that promise, much less keep it. So visit redhat.com to see how they can help your enterprise of application development, storage, and cloud computing. Red Hat. Different for the sake of better technology.
1: All right. Thank you, Red Hat. So Let's talk about Relay Your Feels.
0: Okay, so this comes uh, from Sam, and Sam has asked, what is the best way to get the attention of an internet- of internet famous people in a respectful fashion. Subtopic, is internet famous an offensive term? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's nah. offensive. I think it can be a bit like, ah, uh, you really calling yourself famous? Like I think people can do that because fame is so weird and we're not really famous in the grand scheme of things, except maybe to the people that, anyway. Um, for example, Sam says, I'm planning a Kickstarter campaign and would like to send it out to a few well-known people with big followings, but I feel like doing this is spammy or there is something that just doesn't feel right about it. Is it okay to for example tweet at someone famous just to promote your project or is there a better way to go about doing it where on the communication pyramid ding should you start <laughs> it's almost like you should start somewhere below the level of tweeting at them so for me I don't want that kind of stuff over twitter I would even though I hate email I would prefer email
1: yeah I think I would too I'm 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 not sure you know, I think it was Federico that said at some point, might have been on um, on Behind the App, I think it was. It was on Behind the App. You yeah. know where I'm going with this. Yep. That within the span of like three sentences, he knows exactly whether or not this email is going to be worth writing. Or excuse me, worth reading. And I'm not as good at, as Federico at this, but I feel like I'm getting better. And so I'm... More likely to pay close attention to a mention on Twitter because I only have to pay attention for 140 characters. However, an email that is clearly written for me and not simply a form letter or an introduction, like I don't want to call it a cover letter, but kind of like a cover letter before a form letter that is tailored to me typically does grab my attention. How how do you feel about these sorts of things?
0: So if you're trying to tell me about something that's important to you, 140 characters is not going to probably do that justice anyway, so you're likely going to ask me for an email address eventually to send me something or point me to a blog post. I don't like being pointed to blog posts because I'm I'm not, probably not going to read it right then and I'm going to forget about it forever. Yeah. So with yeah. this kind of stuff I like to have it emailed to me because I can choose what to do with it. Um I can read it straight away, I can leave it in my inbox, I can snooze it for a bit. It makes more sense to me that way because you're kind of putting the ball in my court and I feel for me anyway personally that Twitter has more of an implied response required than email. Yeah, fair point. Um so I know that I would prefer to do this stuff by email. I know that whenever I have something to send someone of this kind, I email.
1: Um, yeah, I don't yeah.
0: I don't send something like this typically to people via instant message or Twitter DM or anything like that. I email them. Because if, if they're going to ignore it, like if I send someone a Twitter DM to tell them, please check out this episode of my podcast, I think you're going to like it, um, and they don't reply, I know they're ignoring me because you don't miss them, right? Yep, yep. If I email it to someone, I can tell myself they didn't see that. It got missed in their email inbox and I can accept that to myself as a reason. So therefore, I prefer that for other people. Um, I prefer those kinds of things when people email me because it also gives me that control to pretend that I missed it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I like that.
0: So that works for me. So... The next one comes from Jeff and the question is a joke. Wait, hold uh, on, did
1: we did we really cover an answer other than email it?
0: That's my answer.
1: But how do you how do you get an email how do you write an email that you're going to pay attention to?
0: Well, I, I know we definitely addressed this in our email episode. Um having me taken the cue from CGP Grey. You just, you can write as much as you want, but you've got to to write a couple of lines at the top which sum up what's going to be in there, so I'm good with it.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Like an introductory half paragraph that tells me everything I need to know and lets me evaluate whether or not I need to read the rest. And God, that sounds so self-involved, but we've talked about this so many times on the show, but I don't think... I don't think most people understand how much freaking email you and I get. Like, it is non-stop. And because of that, we have to be very, very aggressive about not reading things that just aren't worth our time. And if it's something that that may be worth our time, spend a couple sentences right up front to tell us why it's worth our time, and then we'll probably spend the time to read the rest.
0: Okay, so, next piece of, uh, the next Ask Analog, there we go, I did it again. The next relay your feels comes from Jeff. Jeff asked, Casey, would you buy an would you buy an Apple turntable?
1: So <laughs> I didn't is, even see this in here.
0: <laughs> so this is just quickly before I get into why I picked this out. If Apple made a turntable, would you buy it? Uh,
1: maybe. I don't I I mean I it's such a farcical, ridiculous thought that I can't really genuinely answer it because I can't wrap my mind around that actually happening. Um, no, I'd, I'd like to and probably will get a turntable at some point. Um, It's just not a priority right now. And to be honest, if I really wanted to listen to a record, then I would drive the 45 minutes to mom and dad's. And I assure you that whatever stereo I bought for myself will be one-tenth as nice as what dad has at his house. So why not just go over there? Plus, he has eight times the selection I will ever have. He has several hundred LPs, and I will never have several hundred LPs. So... I as much as I love vinyl and as much as I champion for it I don't own a turntable and probably never will to be honest with you because like I said it's just easier to go to dads
0: So in episode 114 of ATP uh vinyl came up again and uh, uh. as usual you are goaded uh by your your lovely gentleman co-hosts um they they mock you I want to stand tall with you again. I love you. Uh, I feel I feel like I've said this before and and it makes me sad uh when they 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 make fun of you because I am so on your side with this. And I want to be very clear about my my preference for vinyl. I have a turntable.
1: Do you I don't think I knew that.
0: Yep. I have a turntable, I have an amplifier, I have uh some speakers. It's all relatively good quality stuff. I have boxes of records. Um, I had a couple of years of my life where I bought every single that I enjoyed. Every single. I used to go to a record shop every Monday and I would buy the singles that I liked because I liked collecting them because uh, vinyl is so much more interesting than CDs. There are all these different, especially the bands that I listen to, a lot of like indie rock bands and stuff. um, They would make special vinyl with uh interesting shapes i have some square vinyl i have some cut co- i have a bunch of colored vinyl i have see through vinyl there are a lot of limited edition stuff Um, Also, the record shop that I used to go to, they used to do uh, vinyl signings. So bands would come in and you could go and get stuff signed or they would keep things back and you could buy them signed. So a lot of my favorite bands I have signed stuff for. I also have a lot of albums that I enjoy. So I bought albums during that period of time and maybe once or twice, once every year or two years, I top up my album collection, my LP collection with some of my favorite albums of the last couple of years. I don't listen to the vinyl frequently, but when I do it's a special experience i i I choose to listen to an album uh on vinyl because I am creating an experience of some kind i I want to sit and enjoy the music or we're doing or me you know i'm doing something or like there is an event or something and i choose i want to listen on the vinyl I know there are cracks i know there are hisses and I know there are pops. I like the character this adds. When I'm listening on vinyl, I'm not listening for the most perfectly represented music from the recording studio. That is not what I'm looking for. If I wanted to do that, you know, I would sign up for Tidal or you know whatever the, the what is or was. No, that's Tidal's the Jay Z one mm-hmm. What, Pono, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm Mm -hmm. because in theory right you know i'm just trying to upset marco now in theory (laughs) that's the 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 most accurate music um i mean marco listens to a bunch of live recordings as well right
1: oh absolutely now in Marco's you both do
0: you both do i know you both do
1: sure but the difference is and in marco's defense as wrong as he may be about vinyl um the fish recordings to the best of my knowledge are completely lossless and right off the soundboard whereas the crap Dave Matthews recordings I listen to mind you crap because of the audio quality not crap because of the music um those are two microphones not unlike what you and I are talking on right now on a ta- on a on a tripod that's you know 30 feet tall In the middle of the audience. Now, I can assure you the difference between these recordings in the late 90s and these recordings today is night and day. And they are nearly as good. Well, maybe not nearly as good, but stunningly good for a couple of microphones on a tower in the middle of the audience. But Marco's recordings are without question much higher quality than the Dave Matthews recordings that I have.
0: Um, I wasn't going for quality, by the way. No. I appreciate you saying that. No, no. That what the reason I was bringing it up was because live recordings aren't as good as like from a representation of music perspective as a uh, record recording studio stuff. It's just sure. in theory not. But you listen to it because of the character it has. Absolutely. Like there is something that you get out of listening to a song live that's recorded live that you don't get when it's just produced. And that is part of the whole thing for Vinyl With Me, is I enjoy the character. Um, And I'm not really necessarily um, aiming this at John and Marco. I'm aiming aiming this at everyone who gives you stick over this, Uh, because I think a lot of people do. And it is a funny joke, like, we made fun of you. (laughs) Uh, not really fun of you more fun of the situation we have our April Fool's thing where we created the show Listening uh, which so many people want Um, and the funny thing is I I don't know if I said this on the show or not before that artwork the the, the LP that was a rejected analog artwork do you remember that
1: I don't remember that actually
0: that was one of our rejected artworks with Frank as he suggested an LP as the uh, artwork for this show
1: Huh, I don't remember that, but I, but that because listening it's analog. I, the listening uh, show. Or we should try to find that and put it in the show notes. Oh, it'll be in, um, it'll be in there. It, it, I did not know that that was going to happen, and I laughed so hard when I saw that on April Fools. I thought it was hysterical. Um, no, the thing, you know, the thing of it is, is that yes, like the engineer in me understands that. A lot of much smarter people than I, or at least much more experienced people than I, have looked at how accurate digital reproduces sound and said it is accurate enough and more accurate than a completely analog um, sound source and like vinyl. And additionally, so much music today is generated in a digital way. There's no There's no loss because that was the origin. There's no loss in going analog to digital. Because the origin was digital. But the thing that frustrates me about John and Marco is if you were, if anyone, were to come to my dad's house or go to a place that has a truly phenomenal stereo system, just spared no expense, unbelievably good stereo system, whether or not you agree with me that vinyl sounds more full, it maybe even sounds better perhaps, whether or not you agreed, I think you would leave that saying, I, you know, Casey isn't right, but I understand where he's coming from. And the frustrating thing to me is that so many people, not just John and Marco, can make these unbelievable declarations about how wrong I have to be having never experienced it. Now, yes, this is where everyone starts saying, oh, well, the science says that's the case. Maybe. Maybe you're right. You probably are right because science doesn't usually have much gray to it. But I don't know. You can't really put a lot of science behind feelings. And I feel differently listening listening to vinyl than I do listening to Spotify, listening to a CD, listening to a super audio CD, which I've heard, listening to a 5.1 DVD that's audio only, which I've heard, a DTS DVD, which I've heard. I it just it's different. And it frustrates me the people that have come out of the woodwork to shame me for thinking that this antiquated ridiculous technology might be better than today having never really experienced it. And again, I understand that science is the be-all, end-all to so many of our listeners, and really, in many ways, to life. But gosh, to me, there's more to life than ones and zeros. As we say on this show, there's space between zero and one. And there's more to life than just over analyzing everything, and in the end of the day, you can tell me that vinyl or quantitatively, if not qualitatively, is worse. But you know what? I don't care because it makes me feel happy. And that's, in the end of the day, all that I really care about.
0: The space between the zeros and ones might be full of scratches and cracks and hisses and pops. But that's life, Mike. Yeah, but there's a lot more feeling in there for some people, and that's the way for me, and I think it's the way for you. I agree. I listen to like 99.9999% of my music in digital form, and probably in very high quality. Not as high as quality, because I'm not a lossless person, because I listen, listen to a lot of streaming stuff, but it's in good quality. But when I put a vinyl record on, it's a different feeling.
1: Yep, I completely agree. And the other interesting point that someone made um, via ATP feedback, and I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize to whoever this was, Um, they they made the analogy that vinyl is the permalink of the pre-digital age, or perhaps even the digital age, because MP3s, it is not likely that we will not be able to read an MP3 in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. Unlike it being relatively unlikely that you'll be able to read a Clarisworks document, for example. But you can take an, a, a record that was produced in 1812, if they were even around then. I don't, don't, I'm not fact-checking here, so forgive me. But the point being, you can take a really freaking old record and put it on almost any modern turntable, and you will hear that music. And this person's point, and again, I'm so sorry that I don't have your name in front of me, but this person's point was, it's kind of like a permalink. And isn't that beautiful in its own way? And I think it is.
0: The last thing that I want to talk about today, I want to share a story from TJ Luoma. Um, And this is what TJ said. Uh, Yesterday, I wrote a really long 2,000-word blog post in drafts on my iPad, Because the power was out, and my 2008 MacBook Pro battery probably wouldn't have lasted long enough for me to write it. And when it was all over, I managed to delete it instead of saving it. I sent it to trash instead of archive in drafts parlance. Because the power was out, my Wi-Fi was out, and I don't get LTE service in my house, so it hadn't synced to my iPhone, so it was gone. Gone, 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 forever. I just went to start retyping it, because I thought it was really good, and realized that not only was it really too long for a blog post, but I still had more to say. Without me really deciding it, the thought occurred to me, you know, if you're going to rewrite this and really want to say all that you wanted to say, you should just go ahead and write that book on this subject that has been bouncing around inside your head for the last five years. And just when my inner hypercritical, no, you're never going to do that, you can't do that, you never finish anything voice said, well, don't you think that's a little overdramatic, overdramatic of a response to an accidentally deleted blog post? Another thought occurred to me, this is just like Mike's broken shoelace. I think it's time, all because of an accidentally deleted blog
1: post. I am way too cheap to drop this mic, and it also happens to be mounted to a boom. But if it wasn't, and if I wasn't, I would drop the mic and walk away, because I think our work here is done. I did not see this feedback. This is phenomenally awesome feedback.
0: This was like emailed to me personally and I asked DJ if he was okay with me reading it on the show and again he he said like he went back he was like at first I was like no don't do that cuz and then he was like oh no do it.
1: No this is great feedback and and this makes me feel genuinely genuinely awesome. Even though it wasn't my story, there was the your shoelaces story that inspired this. I feel like I inspired it by association and I love this I love this story so much. Episode 9 of Analog, in case you haven't heard it. And that's
0: in the show notes at relay.fm slash analog slash 38. That is this week's episode, where you'll also find the lovely artwork of listening. Never to exist, maybe, show where Casey... Do, <laughs> as, as the tagline says, Spin in vinyl with Casey Liss. Um, so you can find that there. If you would like to, uh, thanks again to our sponsors for this week's episode. The good people over at Red Hat com and wired in. If you want to find us online, there's a couple of ways you can do that. c a s e y l i s s. If you put an at in front of that, you'll find Casey on Twitter. If you put a .com after that, you'll find him on his website. If you want to find me online, I am i mike i m y k e on Twitter. That's all. And I'm relay.fm, of which this show is now a, is now a part. It's always been a part. It's a part. <laughs> Will always be a part. Don't Founding me member. Casey. Founding member. Founding the founding original show. Oh, so good. All right. This was the first and only original, right?
1: Is that right? I actually never thought of it that way. Yeah. Ah, huh, how about that?
0: Cuz everything else was an adaptation of a previously existing show in some form or another.
1: Look at us. Oh, we're so special.
0: Yep. Um, thank you so much for listening thank you for all the feedback if you sent it in and if I didn't read it if I didn't read it out on the show especially with all of the online dating stuff you can be sure that I have read it because I took time to read all of it Um, so thank you so much for sending it in continue to do so if you'd like to do that you can find an email link for us on relay.fm/analogue, or you can send me stuff over Twitter if you would like we'll be back next time say goodbye Casey Liss see you later Mike